the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the Tiger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Thursday the 23rd. You're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bats since 1995. Mountaineer Kitchens and Bats have delivered distinguished remodeling services to our home community of Martinsburg. From new construction to remodeling, Mountaineer Kitchens and Bats can design your new kitchen or bath. Check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com on Facebook or visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Good morning to you. How we doing? You know, it's a great day when you wake up and you realize Shepard knocks off Shepardsburg. It's mm. it's a good feeling. Great win last night for the men's team. Puts them into the playoff hunt now in the PSAC. If they want any chance of making it to the NCAA tournament, they're going to have to make go on a miracle run and win the PSAC. But they clinch themselves into the tournament. They're in play. And really, that win for Shepard... And the results from last night, it was a crazy overtime game that went into double overtime between Millersville and Westchester, where the Golden Rams ended up pulling out that one. It shakes up everything in the final Saturday of the season coming up. We don't know who Shepard's going to play, and that's an exciting thing. But they are going to be playing in the conference tournament. And we've talked at length, guys, the East being such a good conference. And once again, it proves it there last night. Rams get a 60-55 to win over the Red Raiders at the Butcher Center. Leading scorer, Dan McClain-Corley with 23 points last night. He was on fire when they needed him most. Philip Jordan with 12. Carson Poffenberger, Aiden Hewley with 3. And Jordan Gibson with 7. It was good all-around effort out of the Rams, Luke. It was a tough opponent. I mean, the more you looked at it before the game and during the game, the more we realized that this was turning into more of a must-win game uh, that we initially thought it was. And uh, the Rams handled the pressure well and put together a good four quarters of basketball yeah you know we were wondering exactly what the tiebreaker was going to be if Shepard had lost this game and then lost to Kutztown on Saturday if it would be a win and get in game when they played the Golden Bears on Saturday we found out that through the PSEC bylaws uh, that head-to-head record obviously is number one or the number two tiebreaker and then it's wins against teams above you in the conference where Kutztown has a better record in that regard. So if Shepard had lost that game, they go to Kutztown and it's winning, get into the conference tournament. So you take a ton of pressure uh, you know, off these shoulders and what you need to do, and you're able to give John Preston two days to come back. They were talking about the potential of him rushing back from his leg injury and playing on Saturday. Now he doesn't have to because that game really doesn't mean anything other than momentum, and I think that's what you won tonight. He beat one of the best teams in the conference. And Coach Fight, you know, Coach Namalik talked about it. Uh, he, he considers him to be one of the best coaches in the PSAC. It's not the best coach in the PSAC who had beaten Shepard five games in a row. So all of that said, it was a really impressive performance. And it was a fun performance to watch Carlos Carter, who I said last night, 
I think might be the best player in the conference in DMC do battle. They both finished with 20 plus points, 20 for Carter. DMC much more efficient though, finishes with 23 and a rebound shy of a double double. Philip Jordan again played incredibly well in this game. Everybody had some big moments. I think that's the thing about Shepard this year. Every time you look at one of their key victories, every single player that comes in and plays minutes, you know, impacts winning in a very positive way. Uh, and in this game as well, it, it was crazy to see uh, Dolman come in under five minutes to go in the second half when PJ gets in foul trouble and play three quality minutes until PJ could come back on the floor and play through said foul trouble. So all in all, I, I was really, really, really impressed, and it had to be the most entertaining game of the season. And here are the highlights from the Rams' 60-55 to win over Shippensburg last night. Philip Jordan, screened by Hewley. Want to get it back to Hewley. He'll shoot the three. The big man got it on the first try. Wants to give it back to DMC. Jab stepping, getting Johnson away. The pull up three from DMC rattles home. What an emphatic way to get started for Dan McLean Corley. One hand pass leading Philip Jordan over to Jordan Gibson for three. Got it, Jordan Gibson from the corner. You love to see him getting on the score sheet early. DMC gets around Figueroa. The floater is good. What a move off the bounce from Dan McLean Corley. Poppenberger, he finds some space on the left block, kicks it to PJ for three. Got it as it rattles home. It's every part of the rim, and the Rams tied up at 21 all. Poppenberger, he finds some space on the left block, kicks it to PJ for three. Got it as it rattles home. It's every part of the rim, and the Rams tied up at 21 all. Missed, rebounded by Poffenberger. His shot's blocked. Picked back up by Poffenberger. He goes into the paint. Shot blocked again. Gets his rebound again. Shot blocked again, but they'll call a foul. This time will go to Luke Nedro. What an effort play by Carson Poffenberger. As now it's holes off on DMC. DMC likes the matchup. Step back three. Hits it. Nothing but net from Dan McClain. Corley and the Rams are back in the lead. Philip Jordan. Pass get to Goudeau for three. Got it. Rattles in a home. Ariel Goudeau gives the Rams back the lead late against Shippensburg. DMC in the paint. Spinning. Fading away. It's the front of the rim. It gets the friendly butcher center bounce. And it's back to within one. Shippensburg and Carlos Carter with the ball. He has Poffenberger on him. He dribbles in, but it's stripped away by DMC. He thought about pushing it, but instead he'll slowly bring it up the court and wait for a screen from Poffenberger. A hard screen set. The three. Got it! DMC drives it from deep, and the Rams take a two-point lead. DMC will control it. Ten seconds on the shot clock. DMC into the block. High off the glass and in. DMC to 23. Picked up by Carlos Carter. He misses the shot. Loose ball goes into the bucket. Picked up by Marcel. 2-1. And the Rams knock down another giant as rival Shippensburg comes into the Butcher Center and runs into a buzzsaw and lose 60-65 to your Shepherd Rams. Yeah, that's the second big upset this year that uh, has been seen at the Butcher Center. First, it was East Strasburg when they were nationally ranked. And now Shippensburg, uh, top dog in the PSAC East, comes into town and take a big-time loss. Great win from the Rams last night, and it was nice when uh, Luke was able to catch up with uh, Coach Namlick after the game to actually hear his words be uh, a little bit more positive and uplifting than they have been in recent games. Hey, Coach, I'll grab you real quick here. Uh, you guys clinch a spot in the conference tournament with that win. You finish the regular season at home with a win. Has to feel pretty good. Yeah, I, mean, I have so much respect for Chris Fight. I've known him for so long. He's one of the best D2 coaches I've ever gone against, you know, and like, um, and he's had our number these last couple years, so it feels good to get that win against him, but um, 
we needed this one bad, you know, and just DC had some big shots. I thought, like, we got enough stops down the stretch. It was good. I just told the team that we got to win on Saturday, keep some momentum going, to go on the road next week, so. Well, in a season that's had so many games decided by close margins, it seems tonight DMC hits big shots. You mentioned the stops and the free throw shooting as well tonight was key. Yeah, I know. DC missed the front end. And PJ made both. They, they missed the second, missed the first. Still not there yet, but we handled the press much better. We didn't have a turnover versus the press, you know, so that was big. You know, Carson, that's one of the biggest things we missed uh, against East Stroudsburg with John. You know, he's our guy inbounds the ball press, you know, and Carson did much better tonight than he did on Saturday, so that was big. Coach, I'll let you go with this. The world wants to know status of John Preston for Saturday. You know, when he first sprained it and I saw how swollen it was, I haven't seen a swollen ankle that bad. I mean, it was like a balloon. He's doing everything he can. The swelling's gone down in his foot. Um, I don't, our trainers want to try to get him ready for Saturday. I mean, you know, we try to get him for Monday. That's what I would hope. Well, the Rams take down Shippensburg 60-55. to That is the... I guess the, I would say the highlight win of the season. Uh, it all really came together for him, but in the first uh, half of the night, the first half of the doubleheader, uh, the Shepherd women's team was in action, and unfortunately they fall uh, to Shippensburg, but that Shippensburg girls team, they're something special. Yeah, they're a great team. They're right up there with Westchester right now for the number one team on the girls' side right now. Ariel Jones, she put on a master class going for over 40 points and almost grabbing 10 rebounds, and she's only five foot seven. It's a fantastic game. She's for- a tall 5'7". She, she looks taller than that on the court. Yeah, yeah, she's she's pretty thinly put together, but she gets in there and she she battles down low. It's it's really impressive the game she put together. She was kind of held in check because the first time these two teams played against each other, this was coming right off of her setting the single game scoring record in the PSAC for the, a single game and becoming the league's all time leading scorer. She goes for forty one in this one, grabs nine boards as mentioned before, and she it's really her in the offense. You got forty one points. The next leading scorer is Lauren Pettis, and she chips in with nine it was a poorly shot game I think overall for Shippensburg they didn't come out and play their best really what happened was the Rams held close it was a one-point game after one quarter they played tight with them they kind of got away from them a little bit in the second quarter as they were outscored 26 to 17 they outscored Shippensburg in the third to bring it back 17 to 13 and then just it was just a collapse in the fourth quarter outscored 23 to 7 some positives to pull out though Peyton Grant still is emerging as one of the highlight players of this team really a future player for this Rams team she's only a freshman she leads scoring at 17 points for Shepard Sydney Bowles shows great flashes 13.6 rebounds also dishing out three assists as well a lot of great things to pull away and I think one of the better overall played games for the Rams this season in their final home game and you're slowly starting to see these pieces coming together a little bit Peyton Grant's really come into her own in the second half of the season Sydney Bowles getting 100% healthy's really helped Kara Miner, who might be back for a fifth year, she put in a good performance. She ends up fouling out in the game. And just if you could find a little bit of those pieces, if Kendall Haggerty can find her shot consistently again, if you could find Megan Shipley to get more looks on the drive on the inside, there's some pieces here. Someone like Naresha Miller, if she can develop her post game a little bit better. There's a few pieces here. If this happens and that happens in the offseason, we could talk about a team that's going to be in the fight for it next year. And here were Coach Kaufman's words after the game. Coach, I know it's tough at this point in the season to look at moral victories, but you just went three and a half quarters against the number one team in uh, your division. There have to be some positive takeaways from that game. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, we've said it all year trying to put together 40 minutes, but I mean, they're a really good team. Um, I thought we played hard and we've battled all year long. Um, so yeah, there are some positive takeaways. I am proud of the team. It's just just stinks to come out on the losing end, you know, losing by 20 almost every night. So 
Uh, on, it seems as though the downfalls tonight maybe transition defense and, of course, running into probably the top player in the division. Were those kind of the, the two biggest detriments tonight against the team? Yeah, our transition defense wasn't great. Um, and, yeah, we lost her a lot. We gave her too many open looks. And even when you have a hand in her face, she's still going to knock down shots. So, so yeah, we lost her too much, and, and transition defense was awful for us. Coach, I'll let you go on this. Uh, home support this season for you guys has been fantastic. You're building a program. You want people to be invested in this team. What's the message to the fans going into next season of home uh, Rams women's basketball? Yeah, just thank you so much for the support, and don't give up on us. We're trying. Um, you know, I think I think the way that the girls are playing, you know, they play hard, and I think that's exciting to see. We'll get some wins here, but, um, but yeah, just don't give up on us. Thank you, Coach. Yeah. And that's uh, Shepard women's basketball coach Julie Kaufman after their loss last night to Shippensburg. But both teams back in action for their final games of the regular season on the road Saturday at Kutztown. It'll be Parker Stone and Luke Wiggs on the call for both games, starting at 1 with the women's game and then 3 o'clock for the men's games. We'll have you covered right here on WPM and WCST. And then into playoffs on Monday to see who the men's team ends up playing. Uh, It depends on how it shakes out. We've talked about it a couple of times now. Could end up being maybe Shippensburg on the road, maybe Westchester. If they go to Westchester on the road, I think they win. So there's a path legitimately as we stand right now to playing all four teams in, hmm. the, in the first Insane. round. Now, if you were to ask me my prediction, the way things are shaking out record-wise, and I'll do the scenarios maybe for a later show, I'm going to guess Millersville is, is where it's trending. They're playing Westchester <laughs> should lock up the one. Shippensburg's got some weird buys in terms of who they've played. East Stralsburg should lap them on a similar record. So Millersville, probably the top option right now. Shippensburg, two, and then East Stroudsburg. I don't see them going back to Westchester. They beat Millersville once. They've split. They beat them by seven, then lost by two. Yeah, and that, I <sighs> On mean, the, the road, game I don't up there know. was just awful because yeah. you missed a bunch of free throws down the stretch, uh, and you were horrible, if I remember yeah. correctly, in the first half of that game. You couldn't mm-hmm. score. So they might be the most beatable teams are the teams above you although the way they played Shippensburg last night without John Preston mm-hmm. you have to wonder if and you'd get good traveling support because it's just an hour away nobody mm-hmm. no with all due respect is going to come to any of these other games that are three hours away on a Monday <laughs> yeah uh, so Shippensburg is obviously the team that we all I think want to play because it's a short drive and it, you could kind of create a good atmosphere there I think it'd be fun too because you'd see John Preston back in the lineup for the Rams and predictably you'd see Dom Sleva back in the lineup for Shippensburg too he had to sit in that game he's the leading rebounding the conference right now now i believe this is correct we were listening on the tail end of the westchester broadcast of their contest with millersville i think it's going to be if shippensburg beats Lockhaven on saturday i believe shippensburg gets the number one seed if they win because they have they swept westchester for the season if shippensburg were to lose to Lockhaven and westchester beats bloomsburg which barring anything insane it's happening bloomsburg is one and 24 on the season and then east stralsburg has the head-to-head on uh shippensburg so if westchester wins they're the one shippensburg loses they get lapped by uh east stralsburg they move to the three yeah and then shippensburg would be the three but and i don't want to bog down because it's confusing i understand but the problem is uh millersville is playing mansfield and that's Probably gonna that, be a that's win. a win. Yeah, which means Millersville would jump up even further because I think they have the head-to-head over Shippensburg. The that's only th- why I think it's going to be Millersville. The only things that are solidified right now: the Rams are locked in at the six seed, and Lockhaven's locked themselves into the five seed. Those top four seeds that could all shuffle on Saturday. And in the meantime, the West has been decided for like the last two weeks. It's been decided <laughs> since like month one. Yeah. yeah.
IUP has just been top dog. They're, they're a juggernaut over that way. One loss on the season. Their only loss was against Mercyhurst. And looking at the regional rankings, the West has, I believe, three teams in the regional rankings right now. IUP is the one seed. I believe Mercyhurst is the three. West Liberty out of the MEC is number two. Johnstown's number seven. Believe out of the PSAC East, I believe I saw Shippensburg, East Strasburg, and Westchester. I think Millersville was the nine. So they had five, you're right, out of the East and the West. They had five of the eight projected teams in the field, and Millersville was that nine. And one of the craziest games, probably the game of the conference happened yesterday between Westchester and Millersville. It went into double overtime, and Westchester won. If Millersville had won that game, it would have made the end of the season crazy, uh, and it would have moved Millersville into one of those uh, NCAA regional spots as it stood today. Uh, so, but they lost, which means Westchester probably locked the spot into the NCAA tournament, and Millersville still on the outside looking in. But that was a crazy game we were catching the end of when we were driving home. Well, we'll step aside briefly, come back, and wrap up our local sports from last night on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Join the conversation on Twitter at EP News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchen to Bath. Check them out at mountaineerkitchentobath.com on Facebook or visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Icewarner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And we got more basketball on the airwaves tonight as we get back into sectional girls basketball play. Yeah, we do. It's the sectional championships tonight. Washington and Jefferson is where we're going to be. Uh, that game will tip off at 7 p.m. right here on WBPM and WCST. Spring Mills takes on Martinsburg and the other one. Spring Mills heavy favorites, but Martinsburg's got a couple of different players that could maybe turn that game on its head and play spoiler. Uh, but the game we're going to be focusing on, Washington and Jefferson, I think it's key because, again, Nobody wants to play Spring Mills in the postseason because they've been a bulldozer. They're still undefeated. They're the only undefeated girls team in the state right now. So the winner of the Washington-Jefferson game advances to the regional final as a, the home team and would most likely play Martinsburg. So that's who you want to be, not the team that has to travel to Spring Mills, assuming they beat Martinsburg, which we would expect them to. Uh, so the winner of this game avoids the Cardinals. They're probably going to be the other team to represent the EPAC in the state tournament. It's a Jefferson team that is coming off a really impressive performance with Mackenzie Brezovic going for 26 points. Jasmine Taylor, a really talented player for her, uh, for that team, probably the fastest player in the state. And Olivia Hendrick inside is still uh, somebody that can cause defenses fits. And Washington, uh, what Mary Rivera is a sophomore. Their two best players are sophomores, averaging double figures. They're more guard-oriented. Uh, they play very good on-ball defense and can score quickly. Washington and Jefferson split their two matchups in the regular season. But what's interesting is the road team won both times and closer margins of victory that favored Jefferson, who beat Washington more handedly than Washington beat Jefferson. Uh, so that's what's at stake tonight. Again, the sectional championship begins at 7 o'clock. And per usual, this is EPAC play, so you know it's going to be exciting and you don't want to miss it. Yeah, Washington's been 500 in their past four games, losses against Spring Mills and Jefferson, beginning wins over Martinsburg and Musselman. So they come into this game. It's going to be a tough ask for a younger Patriots team. It's facing a more experienced Jefferson team. And you mentioned before, both road teams won the matchups in the series this season. It's going to be one where it's it's going to be exciting. This is about as close to a coin flip game in, women, in girls basketball as you can get in the EPAC right now. Both these teams really good. Jefferson has the more experience right now. Washington is a team on the rise. You can expect them to be in this position once again next year. It's going to be fun to see. And I really, whoever wins this matchup tonight, 
has the inside track into getting into Charleston. I really do think so. You mentioned before they avoid Spring Mills in the regional final. They get to host the loser of Butch. Will probably they'll probably have to host Martinsburg more than likely, unless the Bulldogs pull off a remarkable upset, which would be a story around the state. It's going to be an exciting one. Both these teams really well put together, and whoever wins this again is really going to have the inside track to making their way into the state tournament. I'm just waiting for Spring Mills to get down into the um, state tournament to see if they can really hang, to see what those rankings were all about. Because every, every time we talk, you know, EPAC girls basketball, all I think about is them being undefeated and how good they've played when we've seen them in person and that they still were ranked three at the end of the season. It makes no sense to me. I mean, those teams down south have to be unbelievable. And we, well, we heard on the morning news today uh, there's going to be three new champions in uh, high school girls basketball because the only champion remaining from last year is Cameron in single A. Wow. Uh, the quad A champ is Huntington. And that's the thing. You say, these, all, these all got knocked out in sectional play. We haven't even gotten into regional play yet, that final round. So it's wide open. I know Morgantown, who went to the state championship game last night, is a, is a, not the favorite. I think Wheeling Park may be the favorite, but it comes down to the two of those teams. And then the two down south uh, in Spring Valley, uh, and I know Cabell Midland, I'm sorry, GW's played very well, has garnered some attention, and the regions that they play are tougher. But Spring Mills has a chance to prove it. It's a wide-open field. And the thing about Spring Mills is I don't really know how you prepare for them. You can watch yeah. film but nobody, they're kind of an unknown because they're different than the Spring Mills teams that had gone down and lost as a seven seed or an eight seed. Uh, they're a lot more determined. Of course, very well coached. Coach Goss does a very good job uh, and more than poised to make some noise if they're able to play their game. Mainly it's been that top five a lot of people have been talking about right now around the state is who could be the state champion in the quad A. You're looking, Wheeling Park's been receiving a lot of those first place votes we've seen in the AP poll right now. Got a team at Capitol Mill, and they've been pretty hot towards the end of the season. Spring Valley, a lot of people are picking them to make a good run into the tournament as well. And you got Spring Mills, who, again, we mentioned is kind of an unknown to the rest of the state right now. And that's what I think is going to bode well for Spring Mills. We mentioned the size might not be there for them, but they have it in the shooting ability, the ability to run. They have that in their arsenal. So it's it's going to be exciting to see who's going to come out. And GW, we got to get another team that's in contention right now, a team that's gotten a couple first-place votes throughout the season in the AP poll. But it's going to be exciting. It's a wide-open road to Charleston right now. And as you mentioned, three out of four state championships are going to be new for at least three out of four. Could be four out of four. Brand-new state champions on the girls' basketball side. Really exciting stuff. And it's almost March, guys. And the madness is feels like it's already here. Well, we got some Berkeley Springs basketball going on too, don't we? Yes, we do. It's the regular season finale for the Tribe. They're going to travel to East Hardy and take on the Cougars. That game will go off at around 7.15. We'll have your pregame, 7.30 scheduled for the tip. It's going to be senior night for East Hardy, so a lot of emotion going to be over that way. The Tribe weren't able to win their senior game. Hopefully they can return the favor, spoil East Hardy's senior night on the road. As This is going to just be kind of a tune-up, I think, for the Tribe as they're going to get ready to take on Kaiser this coming Tuesday in their opening sectional matchup on the boys' side. It's going to be it's going to be a tough matchup. Berkeley Springs was unable to beat Broadfording this past week. They've taken on an East Hardy team. We've seen them already once this season when they took on the Pirates of Pawpaw, and they can shoot the lights out beyond the arc. They hit 23-pointers in that game. J.W. Teets is an absolute unit beyond the arc. they got an app, They got to find a way to close out on the three-point line. If the Tribe aren't careful, 
they could lose this game. They were able to beat East Hardy earlier in the season, but a lot of things have changed. It was when the Tribe had more momentum, I think, going their way around December, January. Things have been very up and down for Berkeley Springs as of late, but that game is going to be for you. It's the final regular season game of the season for Berkeley Springs. Final guaranteed game. you got a game coming the next day, and again, be on the lookout. Kaiser on the road will be the last day of the month. It'll be the 28th this coming Tuesday over on WXDC. We'll step aside for a few minutes, come back and keep going on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchen to Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchen2bath.com. On Facebook, you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Nicewarner, alongside me Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And Parker, we've talked a lot about all the local sports going on around. There's certainly a lot, of course, with Shepherd basketball in action last night. We got uh, girls sectional, EPAC basketball tonight here on WEPM. But what's happening around the rest of the sports world? Yeah, we'll go to the NFL to start off as a couple big moves there. Former uh, Florida State and Oregon head coach Willie Taggart has joined the Baltimore Ravens staff. He's going to be the running backs coach for Baltimore. An interesting move there for a guy who's bounced around a little bit in college football. He also had stops at Florida Atlantic and Western Kentucky. So interested to see how Willie Taggart's going to fit in. I believe this is his first NFL job, so we'll have to see how he handles the running back situation in Baltimore. Because who's going to be carrying the run? Who's going to be carrying the ball for Baltimore? Is it going to be J.K. Dobbins? Are we going to see more King and Drake possibly? Could they draft a guy like B. John Robinson or Jameer Gibbs? Both those guys are in contention as well. So how Willie Taggart's going to handle that? I'm very intrigued to see. Also, Tennessee made a lot of cap space cuts there. They cut starting left tackle Taylor Lewan, who's been with the team for over a decade at this point. Robert Woods, who was brought in in a trade last offseason from Los Angeles, he gets cut. And linebacker Zach Cunningham, all three cut for Tennessee as they're playing to open up some cap space. As well as in hockey news, Alexander Ovechkin rejoined the Capitals after the layoff he had in the death of his father. He's back with the Capitals now. Russell Westbrook introduced as an L.A. Clipper, so he'll be with the team. Not sure if he's going to be coming off the bench or starting for Los Angeles. That remains to be seen but a valuable piece for the Los Angeles Clippers as they're trying to piece together a team to finally make a run in the playoffs. Cause it just, have they been, we talk about the Nets being a disappointment. Has the Clippers like kind of like George Leonard combo been a huge disappointment to you guys too? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, the core that they've had, the fact that they were able to bring John Wall off the bench, even though he had a really bad season and as bad as the West has been, I would say they're a bit of a disappointment in college basketball news. Brandon Miller, he's had a insane 48 hours. There was speculation that, he, there was a there the whole firearm story in the uh, shooting at Alabama that one of the players ended up he's I think he's facing like a capital murder charge or something like that it's something insane but he's Brandon Miller there was rumors that his gun was the one that was used in the shooting he ends up staying on the team they rule he's good to play he goes for over forty points in an overtime win against South Carolina but what a what a crazy time he was. He was brought on by the crowd there at South Carolina. They chanted some insane things at him. It was a crazy game, crazy environment for a top five team in the nation. They're fighting for a number one seed right now in the NCAA tournament. So Brandon Miller, amid all the noise, has a great performance. And yesterday, a momentous occasion, 43rd year anniversary of the Miracle on Ice, one of the greatest moments in, well, sports history here in the United States. Happened 43 years ago today. Well, I, I just wanted to provide a little bit more context to that that Brandon Miller thing because it's a crazy story. Uh, so we're starting to get more indication as to what exactly happened that night. Uh, a couple of his teammates, and it was Darius Miles who was committing this this murder, and it was his gun. 
So Miller brought a vehicle to this incident and that had the gun in it. Um, and the first speculation was that he blocked the, the people that, that, that were killed in this. He, he used his vehicle to block their Jeep. Uh, and now we're finding out that he didn't do that. He had no idea what was going on and didn't realize what he was bringing the gun to. So as more and more has gotten out about this case, uh, it seems as though Miller is going to be absolved. According to the prosecuting office in Alabama, at the prosecutor's office in Alabama, they can't charge him with anything because he didn't do anything. And what's crazy is then uh, Coach Oates there of Alabama says he's a part of our team. We're not going to do anything with him. He's going to play. He's going to be fine. And he scores more points this this season than any other freshman in college basketball, 41, and hits the game winner in overtime. And with the South Carolina student section, oh, as you would expect, Channing, and I, well, you know, it's just some pretty wild stuff, you know, trying to get under his skin, making it honestly, you know, regardless, we don't know officially what happened. Nothing officially has been handing out from a conviction standpoint. Things could change. Uh, but regardless, someone that was close to a murder and then two days later, less than two days later, scoring 41 points in a basketball game uh, with his involvement in that crime in doubt is just one of the most incredible performances in sports in the last couple of years, regardless of what your opinions on the incident are. And uh, hopefully, you know, for his sake, he, he truly didn't have anything to do uh, with the incident that took place. Yeah, it's still a crazy story. This happened now a few weeks ago, and just the outset, you saw a potential capital murder charge going against the former player Darius Miles. It's one of those things you look at in the onset, it's just insane how something quickly happens like that. I'm hoping Miller is not involved in any way with this. He was just an innocent bystander in a heinous act from Darius Miles, and it's just one of those cases where it was just a guy who was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he's exalted from all these charges but the investigation is still ongoing we don't know what's going to be the end result as of right now he'll be with the Alabama basketball team for the foreseeable future unless things change in the investigation but it's still a crazy story for what's been uh, sadly it's been overshadowing a, a landmark season for Alabama basketball they've been number one for the first time in over two decades they're leading the SEC right now and they're a team that could be realistically a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. It's just it's terrible to see this story is what people are thinking of with Alabama basketball when they're having again probably their best season since the 2000s. It's been really it's been really sad to see. Uh, it almost is kind of weird to have Alabama good at basketball too. It almost feels it is weird. weird. It feels wrong. Texas A and M's good at basketball too, which is yeah, also really feels weird. wrong when football schools are good at basketball. <laughs> But yeah, what a what a strange story. And I mean, kudos to him being able to uh, you know I guess, play through that. Yeah, cancel all that out and be able to score uh, career best. And like you said, the most points anybody scored all year That's in general. Yeah, and he's yeah. Gonna, I mean he's going to be a lottery pick, assuming oh, yeah. that he has he he's removed from this mm-hmm. off the court stuff. He's probably going to be a top ten pick in the draft. I mean, he's six nine. He's versatile. Plays for a top team, a tough conference. The SEC, the Alabama is going to make a run in the NCAA tournament, most likely. If you know, again, something like this doesn't derail their season. I mean, everything. No chance, honestly, coming off of the fact that you thought you might go to jail for being an accessory to murder, and then going onto a basketball court and scoring forty one points. I mean, talk about mental fortitude. It's 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 remarkable. Well, we'll step aside one final time. We'll come back, get Parker's picks, and start to wrap things up here on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP News Network. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. All right, we went 2-4-3 yesterday. Lock of the day did hit. St. John's beats John for Georgetown 79-70 to in that matchup. North Carolina ends up getting in an absolute barn burner with Notre Dame, which is, oh boy. The, the North Carolina is dangerously going to make a bad side of history if they're not careful. They could be the first ever AP number one in the preseason to completely miss the NCAA tournament. As of right now, they're in that first four out conversation. They almost probably sunk their chances at the tournament, losing almost losing to a really bad Notre Dame team. They're now ten and eighteen on the season, sixty three to fifty nine. North Carolina survives on the road, but the one we missed yesterday, I picked Syracuse in an upset over Clemson. Man, was I wrong on that one. I thought Bayheim and the boys were going to be able to pull one off on the road against Clemson, a team that's trying to fight their way into the NCAA tournament. They got absolutely mollywopped, 91-73, to 73, the final in that one. So we're going to turn to some more college basketball today. The NBA returns from the All-Star break, if you want to take a look at some NBA lines for tonight. I'm not too sure if I want to go any point lines just to see how guys are feeling after the All-Star break, just to be a little careful. But in the world of college basketball, there are a lot of great games going on. My pick for lock of the day, I'm going with the Mean Green of North Texas. They win against Charlotte this evening they're one of the better teams we've seen north texas do some things in the ncaa tournament before i like the mean green tonight over the 49ers a game tip for seven o'clock tonight north texas over charlotte on the road that's my lock of the day for today as well for you i like Rutgers against michigan Rutgers is a team that's really scrapping in there for the ncaa tournament they've been playing really good basketball in the big 10 right now michigan has had their struggles this season they're barely above 500 i like Rutgers to win on the road and again we've talked at length on the show what home court means in the big 10 you saw it last night. A pretty bad Wisconsin team beat Iowa. So it home court means everything in the Big Ten. Rutgers pulls out a win against Michigan. I believe that'll be a season sweep for the Scarlet Knights against the Wolverines, which that'd be really good for that Rutgers program as well. As well of tonight, my kind of upset pick of the night, USC over Colorado. I like that matchup for USC. They're on the bubble right now trying to fight their way into the NCAA tournament. They're in the last four in right now in the latest bracketology with Nevada, Mississippi State, and Wisconsin. USC needs to get some big wins. One against Colorado on the road will help the Trojans get themselves into the NCAA tournament. And another one for you, the exciting game, UCLA and Utah is going to be a fun one as well. So, again, lock of the day for you. North Texas over Charlotte, Rutgers over Michigan, and then USC over Colorado tonight. So, uh, in your guys' childhood homes, did you have a garage connected to your house? Mm -hmm. You did yeah, it was like to the side, but yeah. Well, yeah. So when you uh, were a kid, whatever, did you ever like throw footballs up on the roof and it would roll back to you? Basketballs up there and they'd roll oh, yeah, back yeah. and you try to catch it, right? Yeah. And then yeah. play like that. So about a week or so ago, I was just meandering around YouTube and I uh, came across this video and it was about an hour and a half long, full broadcast, fully produced game uh, of roof ball. Now, I'd never heard of roof ball before. I didn't have a garage uh, connected to my house growing up, so I didn't do any of these games. But I'm going to play a clip. It's about a minute, all right? And uh, I'll explain it a little bit more. But again, this is from 2000 and I think like five. It's just a bunch of dudes in their front yards, really, with a whole table set up, production crew set up. And it sounds like it'd be something you'd listen to or watch on TV. This is roof ball. We made it fairly fun the first time around and blew it. 
after that, I being one. So Brian with his second attempt, it is oh. around. Oh. oh! This could be the 15 point play. Oh. And he just misses, can't make the catch. The roof ball record holder with five titles, looking for number six as he gets the ping. Trying to make it, make sure it doesn't hit the car, but he can't do it. Nearly oh, takes out the camera. So, roof ball is a game that I guess these guys uh, decided to put together, and it turned into this big thing. It has a huge nationwide uh, like league, and they all come together and end up, I think, somewhere in the Midwest for their thing. So, all right, picture a, the roof of your house with the garage next to it, right? So, you have usually like a, a pole of some sort, a pipe of some some sort sticking out of the roof of the garage, right? Then you have another one, a littler one, sticking out of the roof of your house, kind of right next to each other. So these guys and girls will throw a football, and you have to either hit one of the posts to get one point, or you get five points if it hits the post and you catch it. You get one point if it just rolls up and down off the... There's a whole point system, right? But it's this huge <laughs> thing. I When I tell you, I watched an hour and a half of roof ball and was totally engaged the whole time. It was unbelievable. Yeah, so you guys think you ever would have you ever played roof ball unknowingly, you think, or would you ever get involved in a little roof ball? I mean, there was times where I would grow up and we had a we had a roof and well, I was gonna say we had a roof on our house, but there was times I'd throw like a ball up and watch it roll down the uh mm. down the roof and I'd try and catch it over and over again. That was kind of the fun activities growing up in little Covington, Virginia, but it was, I mean, unknowingly, yeah, I guess so, play a little bit of roof ball, but it's, you know, it's a little something past the time, a little bit of fun. You guys ever played, uh, you guys ever play Can Jam, though? Say what? Yeah, Can Jam, absolutely. Can Jam? What's it's like on? a newish, you never, you don't know Can Jam? Oh, I don't think so. No. Oh, man. I gotta find my cans then. It's so can time. jam it's like you have these two plastic they uh so it was originally with trash cans but now it's these two plastic things with a little uh hole in the front of the uh, the can that you can throw a frisbee through right so you have it's like me and you are on a team we're standing across from each other you're next to one can i'm next to the other uh i throw the frisbee at you you can you your goal is to try and hit it into the can that's oh, one yeah, point, yeah, right yeah, yeah. and then if you hit the side it's one point if it's you like go into the thing with yeah. The little trampoline yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. like that I, like an original form of that but can jam's pretty good what's your favorite uh random like sport to play random game to play like that is it can jam can jam's up cornhole. there yeah cornhole's up there i'd say uh spike ball's gotten pretty popular the past few years uh, too i'm, I'm sorry it is spike ball not blitz ball i call it i'm not athletic ball. enough for spike ball anymore yeah it's, it's just fun when it, you when you kind of kind of figure out what's going on yeah. you know yeah. at the beginning it's a little a little tough my mom out of nowhere i think she won it somewhere had a croquet set Okay. okay. It was, little croquet. It was very okay. bizarre uh, in middle class America to see us playing uh, croquet in the in the hey. streets of West Virginia. But Nothing wrong with that. It was something. Bocce ball is fun. I was about to say bocce ball is another one. When I uh, was going to school down in Baltimore, I would go into Little Italy and they'd have little bocce ball courts in That's different parts Look, of the neighborhood that I'd go play with. Little known fact, uh, Michael McCook, starting fullback for the Shepherd Rams, lettered in bocce yeah. ball in yeah. high school. <laughs> Unified bocce. I love that. Unified bocce. Uh, the South High... South Hagerstown High Unified Sports Team. I think they just won like a state championship or something. Oh. I think I saw that uh, yesterday. Or so. I have to double check. Oh, that, that Unified the Unified Sports stuff is awesome. Is uh, Did you guys have that out West Virginia way? You mean like co-ed? So it's uh, the special education uh, classes, that, that certain sports that they have set up for Unified where it's them and then um, – athletes or students or whoever from kind of the general school population and they come together and they're on the same team no i, I, I don't yeah. think so so it'll be like so. like michael mccook star football player right mm -hmm. he's uh, there on this team with a couple other people and they go play bocce ball there's a couple other sports track 
bocce ball. There's a couple a couple of sports that they do. It's it's That's pretty awesome. neat, pretty neat program. Pretty That's neat program. Awesome. But a few minutes left here, fellas. Any other things we uh, got to get to before we hit the top of the I, hour? I sent it to the Twitter group. I believe we also have a pretty important anniversary today. Uh, Bobby Knight throwing the chair in that game against Indiana. Uh, Bobby Knight chucks a chair across the floor. Of course, our older listeners will certainly remember how much of a character he was. That's 38 years ago today, 38? I believe. There you go. Yeah, well, we, got a, we got a texter here, 304-263-4321, saying, how about that Terp baseball team? That's Man. Brutal. D- That's digs, brutal. Taking some digs. Is this same, the same, same guy texter. That said, Nobody wants to live in Maryland. We talked <laughs> about that Same texter. Same texter. But just has um, this, just this good game. Hey, those one-off games, you never know what's going to happen. It's baseball. You never know what will happen in a baseball, baseball game. Five-run first inning is what happened, really, and then the uh, Turpies couldn't come from behind, but still nationally ranked. Not going to falter them at all. And you can't come at me, Texter, on college baseball because I will just deflect that because college baseball season is way too long and way too crazy. Uh, you can have the you can have the jeers against the Terps for that one. Basketball, on the other hand, we can we can hang in there on that one. And I think they won last night too. I'm pretty sure they played I think Nebraska. No, there's a small chance that they'll end up matching up in the first round. I think Maryland's going to pass them and miss that opportunity. Uh, but then we'll have a, a chance for a true derby. Play for the rights of what Country Roads is apparently actually written. <laughs> oh, Minnesota! They beat Minnesota last night, eighty-eight to seventy. So there you go, Texter. Yeah. What's up? No, oh, they covered the spread last night. I think it was fifteen and a half. Oh, really? I believe so. Minnesota, Minnesota's, Minnesota's one yeah. of the worst teams of the Big Ten right now. Jeez. Well, I guess that. So the we brought it up a couple of uh, I think it was last week, a couple of days ago. Uh, a buddy of mine, we were talking, and he's a Big Twelve Kansas State guy uh, for basketball for all sports. But we're talking basketball, and of course, the Big Twelve is so good uh, this year with all their teams. He was telling me that there's such a drastic drop off between one and two in the best basketball conferences, the Big Twelve and the Big Ten. Uh, and I was arguing the Big Ten's point, but the more I look at it, and you have teams like your Minnesotas, your Nebraskas, you know, that aren't very good when you have. Nobody like that in the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, look no. at the Mountaineers. Legitimately, based on the, in Ken Palm. So they're higher in Ken Palm, that advanced <laughs> analytic. At, right now, they're 20th than they were when they were the three seed in the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago. I mean, that's how good the Big 12 is. The Mountaineers would be ranked and a 21 team in every other college in the conference in the country right now. You know, the mm-hmm. thing that's annoying me, you know, Pitt fans like to try to jeer at the Mountaineers, even though there's like six Pitt fans. They they're talking about the fact that they're the number two team in the the ACC. It's like look where we are now. The Mountaineers are bottom feeders in the Big Twelve and beat the crap out of Pitt at the beginning of the mm-hmm. season. And they'll say, well, well, if we play the game again right now, then we win. No, you wouldn't. No. Give, me, give me a break. That's I mean the ACC sucks this year. They've got Virginia and then a huge drop off and then Pitt. Uh, the Big 12 is certainly the second-best conference in college basketball, but I don't really think it's particularly close. If the Mountaineers win the ACC right now, they'd be the second-best team, if not the best. If the Mountaineers were in the Big 10 right now, they'd probably be around fifth, maybe fourth. Uh, but the Big 12, this is, we've said it a couple times, this is the best year from any conference in college basketball history. Well, let's say for a scenario case, West Virginia is in the Big 10, for example. Who do you think is better than them right now? Purdue, obviously, because the Boilermakers beat them earlier in the season. Outside of that, who are you taking? I I find it hard pressed. They could be number two in that league too. It's it's to, it speaks to levels that how good the Big Twelve is. Realistically, I think people are predicting eight out of the ten Big Ten or Big Twelve teams, however, making into the NCAA tournament. And you got a Texas Tech team. They were in the 
bottom of the barrel of the Big 12 for a majority of the season. They're fighting on the bubble right now. They're in the next four-out conversation. They were winless in conference play. They've routed all big wins against Texas, against the Mountaineers. If they have a strong series and a big play in the Big 12 tournament, Texas Tech could find their way, and we could see 9 out of 10 getting in for the Big 12. Texas Tech makes a run, which would be insane. But yeah, if West Virginia is in the ACC or the Big 10, they're easily a top-20 team in the nation. Well, just the final seconds left, fellas. Any final thoughts? Jefferson, Washington, sectional final tonight. Girls basketball, 7 p.m. Berkeley Springs tonight as well, 7 o'clock hour on 92.9 WXDC. There you go. And if you missed any of the show today, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. Panhandle Live is next. For Parker, Luke, I'm Jordan. Have a good one. We will talk to you tomorrow. and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.